tags, no tags. What's up, good people? Welcome to another episode of The Midnight Drop. I'm your host, Jordan Malone. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight's episode. Boy, did I miss you guys from last week. Uh, I was really excited to have you guys last week. From the last two episodes I made, last Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'm happy for you guys to come in tonight. Your boy has been doing a lot of work trying to get some new content out there, some new ideas. And tonight I got a little special one. But I want to go ahead and just remind you guys of the stuff that we got going on this week and the stuff that we got going on last week. Uh, Last week we had two episodes. On Tuesday we had a book discussion on Barack Obama's new autobiography, A Promised Land, where he talks about his first full term as President of the United States, including some of the stuff that he had to deal with in his marriage, friendships, and all that good stuff. And then on Wednesday I did a review on last year's Oscars Best Movie of the Year, Parasite, regarding a Korean family that goes ahead and bamboozles, yes, I said it, bamboozles, a rich Korean family uh, in hopes to grab riches and to do all the stuff that they don't usually do in their humdrum lives. Uh, Those are the episodes I did last week. I hope you guys can go ahead and listen to them if you haven't listened to them already. If you have, thanks so much for tuning in to your boy. I've been putting in so much work. Uh, This week, we got some stuff coming up. Uh, Today, obviously, we have the discussion on the book that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, Tomorrow is going to be a movie review doubleheader on American Gangster and Black Dynamite. I know Black Dynamite was a movie I want to go ahead and try to review last Friday, but your boy was bitty. Please, take pity on me. I've been doing so much work. Oh, please, oh, please. Yeah, I've been been doing so much work, man, that I just didn't have time to review Black Dynamite. But I still got everything up, and I want to try to go ahead and combine it with my review of American Gangster. So, again, we got a movie doubleheader review coming up tomorrow. And you might catch something a little bit special Friday if I'm not busy, if I got enough time. But let's go ahead and get into tonight's episode. Uh, regarding another book discussion, which I've been having a pretty good time lately. I know we've only done one is the only sec. This is the second one I've done so far since uh, coming back up with this podcast. But I've been having a really good time just going over through books. And I'm, I'm so ready to go ahead and talk so much more. But tonight we're going to be talking about a book titled Hood Feminism uh, created by Mickey Kendall. Uh, and if you don't know what hood feminism was, hood feminism was a novel published in February of this year, and it centers around the criticisms towards the mainstream feminist movement. Author Mickey Kendall makes these criticisms and these objections throughout the entire book as she details, details her life and experiences to fully back up her claims and provide ideas that can unify the feminist movement. Most of these criticisms being made in this book 
devolve into respectability politics, colorism, disrespect and disregard of women of color, exclusivity, hypercriticism, and, and the oblivious nature of white feminists as a whole. Now, before we kind of go into this like I did with the last book, I want to go ahead and talk to you guys about what my mindset was going into this book. Why would a dude like me, Jordan Malone, go ahead and try to read this book? Uh, and what got me interested into it? Well, I was interested in this book because I wanted a different perspective of the feminist movement. And I wanted to actually know more of what black women go through. Time after time, I believe that black men advocate protecting black women through the problems they regularly go through. But small action is taken. I never saw my peers read a book on feminism, take time to talk to black women, or if they did, they did it because they wanted for it for some sexual gain, consume knowledge, etc. I've never been outspoken because I never felt like I took the time to learn or take action. That's on me. I never went in to actually know stuff what black women go through. And I felt like I couldn't be uh, an advocate if I didn't know any better. I've taken small steps and learned so much from my girlfriend. Love her dearly. And I researched other forms of material to better expand my knowledge. And hood feminism instantly became on my radar. I didn't merely pick this book up and didn't look at the contents, reviews, or interviews. I took the time to actually know about this, and the studies were promising. The synopsis was promising, and the talks were very engaging. However, it was apparent that the interviews and the reviews were mostly from women of color. Not a lot of white women, and little to no men. No matter the case, I wanted to read this novel and was excited to read it after I finished A Promised Land by Barack Obama and wanted to know more just about how I can do my due diligence and learn from the experiences of black women by reading a book that criticizes feminism and goes on to see how they can make it better. So kind of guess like a, as another main objective, uh, like a, a nice benefit from this book is learning more about feminism and the history of it. And, mo and most likely just kind of just understand like where it's at right now in this current age. And if to kind of give you a sense of what this book is all about, I'm going to go ahead and read a quote from it uh, directly from Mickey Kindle. And it goes like this. One of the biggest issues with mainstream feminist writing has been the way the idea of what constitutes a feminist issue is framed. We rarely talk about basic needs as a feminist issue food insecurity and access to quality education, safe neighborhoods, a living wage, and Medicare for all are all feminist issues. Instead of a framework that focuses on helping women get basic needs met, all too often the focus is not on survival, but on increasing privilege. For a movement that is meant to represent all women, it often centers on those who already have most of their needs met. Uh, and here's another quote that I wanted to go ahead and share with you guys before going into the contents. I thought it was really, really fucking dope. And it goes, no woman has to be respectable to be valuable. And just like that, those two quotes kind of sum up how, you know, how Mickey Kendall's, you know, criticisms are regarding the feminist movement. And after reading those two, not only it shows my curiosity being piqued, but how much I really like this book. And I'm going to go into it by talking about the content and just how I really felt about it and what this book is all about. And let's start off by just with the criticisms. 
The criticisms being made towards mainstream feminism are really valid and well thought out. As you read, Miki Kendall deals with her issues within feminism by bringing back situations that force you to look up and validate her, your, her reasoning. You, the reader, can nod your head within when a problem is brought up, whether it be an implicit racism towards women of color, petty attacks against black women for their attitudes, use of respectability politics to undermine their social problems of the social problems of minority women. God bless my speaking skills. And the oblivious oblivious, oh my god, the oblivious nature that certain feminists take. It aims to say that there is little to no sign of equity, even if there is equality within the feminist movement. Each chapter obviously is titled by the subject she aims to engage the reader in. You can actually interpret the, the chapter like it's a list of problems she's listing. So like, this is the part where I'm talking, the main part of this whole book. Like, Mickey Kendall is going to criticize everything that the mainstream feminist, feminist -ish, uh, movement has done. And I felt like when she kind of talks about them, she brings in data, she brings in past experiences, she brings in the research to back up these criticisms, these claims, because a lot of people feel like when you criticize the feminist uh, movement, when you have other women criticizing them, especially black women and just minority women overall, you know, those people, same people that are being criticized feel like that's just an opinion opinionated uh, attack on them. It's nothing really on factual uh, basis or even in scientific, scientific basis. But how she does it in this book is really interesting to say the least. I mean, I mean, kind of like those ideas I gave you, those criticisms like, you know, racism towards women of color and those petty attacks. Those are things that she kind of goes in and it's well thought out as you're reading on. You're just like, yeah, I can kind of feel what you're saying you kind of side with her rather than side with the other point of view which is the mainstream feminist culture or white feminists and, I, and that was something i took away from this uh that i thought was really dope the next part though white women love to be speakers of women in general we, we, we know this they will believe that they speak for all women but they can only speak for their demographic and social class in reality meaning you know whatever if there are most white women, we, we can make, maybe make the assumption, is that they live in pretty much upper middle class or upper class uh, households. So we'll say that just for context. Mickey Kendall blasts white feminists for considering what they say for all. The problems for women don't equate to the issues black women and other minority women face. Most importantly, when you have these types of feminists hold essential roles, their voices tend to become louder and their mindsets more oblivious to the real problems to believe that a white woman can say that her problems are the same as black women's problems is crazy and i want to go ahead and bring an example from the book that i thought was really interesting they want to go ahead she goes ahead and talks about problems that white women feel like need to be addressed when it comes down to just talking about i feel like i need to be a woman that needs to fight for her right to work or, or needs to fight for her right to at least say, oh, my body is all good. And then when it comes to saying it's the same as a black woman trying to fight for just not to be disrespected because of her skin color, like those don't equate. You know, she brings up several points that white women feel like those are the main things that feminists should fight for. But in reality, that's not what it is. And it doesn't equate. For everybody, there, there's this problem that she goes in, and I and I kind of believe this to a point uh, that white women tend to go ahead and be the speakers for all women, 
whether that no matter of their class, no matter of their backgrounds, what perspectives they may have, they try to speak for everybody. And it's so fucking crazy that they think that they can be the leader for everybody, but they don't know who they're fighting. They're fighting for. They don't know at all. Something I loved about Mickey Kindle, Mickey Kindle's book, Hood Feminism, is that I loved reading about Mickey Kindle's trials and tribulations throughout her life. The reader learns about her misfortunes, her mishaps, her life lessons, and her experiences with the criticisms she talks about throughout this book. She lets herself be open to further grasping information given in this novel. Mickey Kendall's life is similar to many black women and helps you understand what many go through. She, at a point, describes the sexual assault allegations in the workplace that eventually focus on respectability politics. Mickey could go in at one point about how feminists overlook gun violence and domestic violence towards black women by explaining their relationship with a toxic ex her relationship with a toxic ex-husband. Even her explaining her journey with her own hair and skill color skin color brings to light the problems of colorism body positivity, and overall bias towards certain physical features. Now, now, this is not to say just listen to her and move on with your life. It's imperative that we go around and actually talk to black women more about their situations, even be receptive. And why I say this is because this was a really good thing that I, that I took away uh, from a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, is that when you're reading stuff like this, you take in their values, you take in what they say, and you help that morph into what you think your values are, to what your perspectives or your opinions are. And kind of reading through her life, it kind of helps validate her ideas and her points about what feminism, feminism needs to do better, but also illustrates what black women go through sometimes in a day-to-day -day basis, a lot of times in a day-to-day -day basis. Some women are lucky. They don't have to deal with this sometimes. They're blessed because of where their living situation is at and their, their parents and everything else like that. But a lot of women still deal with this, especially low income, income, low income minority, minority women. And that's something that uh, that I want to kind of transition to. What else is noteworthy in this book is that it spotlights the problems that minority women we might not even know about or even know little of. I was surprised to learn the actual statistics of women who live, come from, or lead low-income households, which were around 60%. You get this information, and all you can do while reading this book is to find more data about these problems, you know, again, while reading them. Surprisingly and unsurprisingly, you can find the data. It's surprising because we have this information that is sometimes easily accessible to track and digest but it's unsurprising because we are not really told of this information at schools by our friends or anybody else or don't have the time to actually look and understand it which is a big criticism to the culture we get to know how low-income communities have women specifically minority women as heads of households and how specific community and social problems plague them these problems can either be hunger domestic violence education disparities health disparities financial burden etc mickey kendall does a really good job in breaking these down and and using them as her structure to talk about the overall criticisms regarding the feminist movement i felt like when she started talking about how domestic violence is a big part of what feminism needs to do better and in, in, in making unity and equality and equity not only within but without within but outside the feminist movement 
I thought was dope. She actually goes ahead and tries to bring around how gun violence is a big thing. It's, it's a big feminist issue. It's a big issue for low income communities, especially low income households where women are the heads of those households. And it was like an example where it talks about how more women, more minority women, black women specifically deal with gun violence than any other woman out there. Uh, and that really brings around like hood feminism. It's hood feminism is bringing the limelight into the hood, like you know, black women that live in these dilapidated areas, including trans and trans women um, and women from the LGBTQ plus community. And I thought that was pretty cool. And that was interesting to look at hood. Fem and that's something else. Hood fe feminism also aims to use the widespread problems we face in our country and connect them to mainstream feminism's general criticisms towards main. Oh, I said this wrong. We face in our country and connect them to mainstream feminism's general criticisms uh, towards that. I appreciated this because we tend to talk about issues and argue based on it on if it affects us or not. Meaning, you know, when we look at a problem that we kind of typically see in the news or someone presents to us, the first thing we ask ourselves is, this is how does this affect me and why should I really care about it? If it doesn't affect me, we just move along with it. If it does, it becomes our main becomes our main priority. And that's something that doesn't need to happen. At times, we can rarely understand what it means for women of color as they tend to be usually be the ones that take the effects of said problems. And this was something that I took away from in this part that I thought was cool. Mickey Kendall talks about how uh, for reproductive justice, reproductive rights and maternity, maternal morality, people started becoming more open to it when people like Beyonce and Serena Williams had to talk about it when they went through the birth of their children and just their bodies and how when they started to speak up, we started listening to other women and it was like, oh, okay, this is a big problem. We need to face it. While it's good that people are starting to listen, it's still a problem that we have to wait for celebrities to talk about it, but we have numerous communities of low income minority women having to deal with it and the feminist movement has looked away from it it's crazy uh, but if i have to go ahead and round it all up and, and kind of just talk about what was my fa favorite chapter of the of this entire book i'll probably say favorite essay because technically the book is a collection of essays uh that aims to criticize the feminist movement. My favorite chapter was reproductive justice, eugenics and maternal morality. And the reason why is because I aim, my goal is to become a healthcare provider and reading through this chapter, you know, there's 30 minutes and 30 minutes and 12 seconds of this chapter because I've listened to it through audible. Uh, I started to get really mad because she goes on in to criticize how the feminist movement doesn't talks about doesn't talk about how black women, trans women, women from the LGBTQ plus community, um, minority other minority women uh, have the constant problem of going to a, hair, a healthcare facility, a doctor, and they need all these problems figured out, and the doctor either doesn't know what to do denies them service or ask evasive invasive questions that 
make that triggers women. And that's a problem. We have these there are these two things that she brings out. Doctors either don't want to treat trans women or black women because they don't want to deal with them. And they're either internally transphobic, homophobic or racist or doctors or healthcare providers want to help them out, but they don't want to take the time to learn their bodies, to learn what's the best thing to do for them and to seek help when they need it. That is something that the feminist movement hasn't done enough of. And this is something that I think not a lot of us know about. This is something this is something that's been that's been said so many times to me that I've that I've noticed when it comes to black women, trans women, you know, minority women in general talk about when it comes to going to the health going to health care. They don't trust them because they don't know what they're doing. And then a lot of critics say, oh, it's because you have to have insurance. You don't have you have if you have the best insurance, you, you'll get the best doctors, you'll get the best care. You'll be fine. No, it doesn't matter if you don't have the insurance. Like Even if you do have the insurance, you're still going to be fucked because even the the highest paying doctors are going to be like, I don't know what to do or I don't want to help you because I still have these Christian morals or. I just don't like black people. I don't want to deal with black women. And that's bull. That's fucking bullshit. I'll be honest with you. It's fucking bullshit. And she brings in about how Donald Trump signed an executive order of making it legal for healthcare providers to deny service uh, to trans women and any woman from the LGBTQ plus community or just anybody from the LGBTQ plus community. And that really goes in because now doctors have a scapegoat to look forward to. They can just say, fuck, it, I don't want to do this shit. And you, I can't get in trouble for it for by law, by law, I can't get in trouble. And that really makes me upset because as a healthcare provider, not only should you aim to heal people and take care of people, but you should aim to teach others, your patients and yourself through day-to-day situations. The fact that you don't want to actually help people, especially black women who already go through a lot when it comes to carrying a child and, and dealing with so many other things, it's ridiculous to me. It's so ridiculous. This chapter goes more into just how white women, you know, white men, just men in general want to take control of women's bodies and white women don't want to try to say anything about that. The feminist issue goes and talks about my body, my rights. You know, you have female pro-lifers that talk about, you know, you you don't abort a baby, but they don't understand what black women go through. They don't understand what trans women go through. There are so many things that they don't understand. And it's a big problem in our country, including in the feminist movement that feels like, I feel like needs to be addressed in the healthcare community a whole lot more. A whole lot more. And I'm so happy to read this chapter. Um, If there's anything else that I wanted to say about this book that I really, I I guess, say a critique. uh, I would say really, there are some there are some times she goes into the book and she kind of repeats what she says, like certain points that were main points and other chapters and then and and you know that following chapter she kind of talks about a little bit more sometimes i i did kind of like zone out a little bit because she goes in and in and in and talking but i felt like 
I won't say this is a nitpick. This is more like a, a small criticism, I would say, about the book that keeps it from being a five out of five. I mean, there are still other books I kind of want to read and compare this to because this is the first book that I've read in terms of black feminism, feminism at all in, in reality. So I want to kind of just go ahead and get in and just compare this with other books as I go through this journey of me reading literature. So, yeah, uh, in conclusion, I appreciate Mickey Kendall, the work that Mickey Kendall did in this book. The series of essays and critiques towards feminism helps other feminists understand how they can do a better job working towards equity within and outside the movement. I appreciate the most in this book because I, a black man, can learn to further understand more where black women are coming from and what they face in the day-to-day -day struggle. I recommend reading this book if you are a white feminist wanting to know how you or others can be more receptive or better. And I also recommend this to men who won't understand the struggle, who want to understand the struggle and the ideas to help us be more receptive uh, to black women as well. And I'll go ahead and I'll say this. I'm not a speaker for women. I'm not a speaker for black women. I'm not a speaker for anybody. I'm a speaker for myself. And I feel like what this book helped me was to expand my mind, you know, my thought process when it comes to these situations. And I feel so much better reading this, uh, that I feel comfortable going into more literature and learning a whole lot more from different perspectives. I'm not taking this entire perspective from Mickey Kendall and making it my own, but I feel like it helps me shapes the perspective, uh, my own perspective and my opinions regarding it by giving me clear cut evidence and validations and criticisms that help me figure out a way to be better, not only receptive, but be a better advocate for black women. So overall, I got to give this book a 4.2 out of 5. I was really thinking about a 3.9, but I feel like that's if I was being like really rude, but there's no way I can give it that low of a score. I think a 4.2 a out of 5, 4.2.5 for what? Oh, shit, I'm tired. But yeah, a 4.2 out of 5 would be really dope. I think, it was, I think it's really, really good book i think i recommend you guys to read it um you guys can pick it up on amazon hard copy you guys can go ahead and get it on audible that's how i've been listening to my books i've been having a really good time listening to books man yeah but that is it that is a discussion and review for hood feminism uh created by mickey kendall a wonderful book i wish i can go up to her and thank her for this great great novel and these series of essays that she made uh really enjoyed her work and i want to be on the lookout for more and i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the midnight drop i hope you guys enjoyed and hope that you guys that uh it pushed y'all to try to get the get this book or just pick up a book in general and just try to have a discussion make your own reviews expand your knowledge because that's what books are for it helps you expand and create new perspectives uh for you and i've really been appreciative of having the opportunity to read these books, listen to these books and uh, learn more from other people uh, above me. I think it's really dope. So yeah, thanks so much for listening and let's kind of just go back with what's going on to expect for this week. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a movie review doubleheader of Black Dynamite and American Gangster. And I got to go in there for, for Friday. I got a surprise, maybe an episode, maybe a blog post. I'll keep you guys posted on that. And plus, if you guys haven't listened to a couple episodes, here are the episodes to kind of look out for. Last week, I did a, a review on Parasite. Then I did a review on Barack Obama's autobiography, A Promised Land. And then if you guys want to go ahead and get a catch up of what TMD is all about, you guys can go ahead and go back in there. Then I did 
a whole essay, video, you know, an audio essay, whatever you call it, on HBCUs versus COVID-19, how are HBCUs dealing with it, and also a review on the 1997 Black Romance Drama Love Jones starring Lorenz Tate and Nia Long. I hope you guys can go ahead and listen to that and kind of just see where everything's at. You guys follow me on Instagram on 615 underscore chill and also follow the website at www.themidnightdrop.com. Again, that's www.themidnightdrop.com. I'm only going to say it twice, not going to say it three times. Ah, yeah, you're done. Yeah, but go ahead and visit the website and also uh, for blog posts and new episodes uh, every week. But that is it, guys. Thanks for so much for listening to tonight's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll see you guys tomorrow. And you guys stay safe. Stay clear. Stay level-headed. Do what you got to do. Peace. No more tags, no tags.